Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. We as a business, you know, our client base is so diverse. So we've got everybody from teeny tiny little organizations, you know, pay 50 bucks a month through to, you know, enterprise businesses, you know, ANZ, you know, National Australia Bank, you know, some of, some of the biggest businesses in the country. Um, so how do you, even just in your core client base, if you think of your ideal customer profile, how do you actually identify with your customers, what that time to first value is? And how does that conversation go? Because, you know, I'm kind of like in my mind, I can go, well, I know what I think it should be. How do you actually get your customers to think about that as well? And then do it in such a way that when you are in that post-implementation phase, maybe like the first 90 days after launch or whatever that might be, you're actually able to circle back to that and go, how are we tracking against this? Um, So to me, it's two parts. How do you identify it um, and with whom? Um, And then how do you measure it and for what period of time? Yeah, that's a, I lo- love this question. Um, I also, so uh, Jay and I work for a company called Higher Logic here uh, based out of the United States. And one of the challenges that we're working through right now is uh, something similar to that, Margaret, because we're also trying to figure out how do we layer in some of our training and enablement material with our customers? Mm-hmm. You know, how long should that be? You know, as we go through that process, um, you know, what are the, some of the first key value actions that we want them to do in the software? Um, and how do we train towards that? How do we make sure to measure that? So it's, I love this because we're, we're thinking about this right now too. Um, and I can't wait to see what some people think. Uh, Gary, I'm, I'm so glad that you raised your hand because um, I feel like, you know, knowing that you're at WalkMe, you probably have some, uh, some great thoughts about, you know, what we should be thinking about here. So uh, Gary, go ahead and come off mute and uh, maybe give us some of your thoughts to, to help Margaret's question here. Yeah, look, I can't take credit for what we do, but um, we, we introduced something um, earlier in this year. And uh, as part of the, the kickoff and, and before we even get started on the implementation side of the platform, we're now spending some time with the customer understanding, uh, I guess, or confirming why they bought and what KPIs are important and what they want to do is re- in relation to moving the needle. Um, so we've great, created a framework around a whole bunch of questions that we can ask that are common KPIs that our customers want to improve on. And they become almost consultative discussion points. And then we can find out what's actually important to those customers and say, you know, what are you trying to improve? You know, time to onboarding, time to proficiency, reduce support tickets, whatever it might be. But we have a really healthy conversation around that and try to get a, and get a commitment from them around the KPIs that are important to them. And even the next step there, which is sometimes a bit more challenging, but try to get some benchmark data around those KPIs as well. So then that way we can see later on whether we've actually made a difference. So we, we before we even tailored the solution and, and made any configuration you know, for them, we're actually understanding what those business goals are. And in some cases, they align to the business case as to why they bought Walkme in the first in the first place. But as you know, for many customers, that business case process internally is a little bit different to sometimes the outcomes that they get. So we need to still have that conversation. Um, we, we get that uh, the customers really enjoy having that session and then check in at those major um, markers, 30, 90 days, and even during the EBRs downstream around making sure those are still relevant. And then even that creates also, if you think about ongoing, that then creates a framework to saying, okay, well, we've achieved all this. Now, what else can we achieve to make it even more successful for you, year two, year three, and so on? And uh, Gary, I'm curious too, do you start to find over time, the more that you do that process, the more that you ask those types of questions, are you guys starting to find trends where you can kind of say, hey, going in, we've got a little bit of an indication that if, if you're going to pick kind of this type of business case, then generally these are the right KPIs for you to measure, I guess. Are you starting to become probably more prescriptive with your customers as you go into the, some of those conversations now that you've done this oh, a de- lot or you're doing it a yeah, lot? De- definitely. I think having some of the experience, I've, I've got a lot of um, some of my customers that I work with are within specific industry segments. And I'm finding that if I bring on some of that reference from what other people in the industry are doing, 
you know, for that kind of platform or so on, then that really makes it a lot easier. But you also then see the nuances about how some customers go, well, actually, that's not our problem. Our problem's over here. So you can't be completely prescriptive around that and say, I know your business, you should do this. What we can, what you need to say is, I have other customers or work with other customers in that industry and this is typical, but it yeah. may not be used. But it, I only really use that if there's awkward silence on the yeah. phone for too long. Yeah. Um, because I really want to hear from them. It's really not about me because if it's about, it's the same reason why we've got a lot of metrics within Walk Me that we can um, analyze, but I still prefer it when customers say, we're going to measure this using this system this way because then they own the data and then they own the improvement. If it's all about the analytics we provide, um, then what are they doing on their side? I'd really like them to own that problem. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much, Gary. Margaret, I see your hand raised. Did you want to follow up with, uh, with what Gary is mentioning? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm copiously making notes. If I'm looking off screen, it's not that I'm not listening. I'm going, yes. Um, so my question on that, um, and I love I love that notion because I think we do it far too far too far down the, the process. So we're thinking about it at that handover from implementation to customer success or key account management. So my question would then be, who does that conversation? You know, if you're going to do it in that initial kickoff, so we've sold it, before we start building stuff in your in your system for you, we're going to have this conversation. Who's who in your experience is the best person to facilitate that? Do you mind if I pick that up straight away, Jeff? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Gary. Yeah. So we, our, our, the CSM picks it up in our, from, for us. So we've done the handover from sales to CS. Um, the person who's leading the implementation um, is, in like, is on that call as well to hear straight from the customers what they're saying. But it's a great opportunity for us to say, I'm now in charge here. Like I am your go-to person. I'm leading this long-term relationship. So because I'm going to be following this up with you in you know 90 days, you know 180 days, and so forth, I'm the one who wants to lead this conversation. Um, if it's anyone else, then you'll find that they become the go-to point in the flow in the follow-up as well. Um, so I, I think it really needs to be a CS-led. Yeah, I think we've seen that um, by and large too. I think it's something that we're trying to do in our organization as well, Margaret, the reason why I think we're trying to get our, we're, we also want to get our CSMs introduced earlier in the process. And so we're trying to give them some sort of strategic role to play. And so kind of owning that conversation to Gary's point, I think is how we're looking at that as well. Um, Beatrice, looks like you've got your, hopefully I pronounced that right. Um, and you've got your hand raised. So what, what are some of your thoughts here? You did. Well done for not trying the last name. Uh, <laughs> so I got a question, Margaret, do you have predominantly tech touch clients or do most of your clients have an assigned account manager or CSM or someone that they are talking to on a regular basis? Um, so we actually have no tech touch clients. Even the simplest implementation with Intelligence Bank does involve a real life human being um, and is a minimum eight week um, process. So our implementations are anywhere from eight weeks to 12 months. Is there anyone else who does have have tech touch? Because we've got a we've got a real mix, and we do get people involved um, early on. But just understanding kind of how you're managing that when you've got those those ones that you don't have the resource to have them involved in every single onboarding call, every single um, sales handover call as well, or are most people also in that kind of AM level, that one to one level? More of a question than a contribution, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, I think you know. Um, I don't know if that was geared towards Margaret, Margaret specifically or not, but um, but yeah, I think by and large we we've got uh, a number of, of different segments that we're trying to work through with our customer base. And I think that's generally what we've seen too is where uh, if you have the right kind of one to one relationship, that's where you can have those types of conversations. What we're trying to do in the in our tech touch segment um, or in um, in our our lower segments, I don't like to use tech touch, but uh, our lower segments is. Uh, we're trying to figure out what's the right kind of mechanism to do that. So uh, how can we kind of piece out or parse out maybe a survey at different moments as, as they go through some of the earlier process? How do we get some of the sales team to help us with some of that as well? So 
uh, that's how we're trying to attack some of that early on as you start looking at some of those different segments. We're finding that we've definitely got our own um, metrics for time to value. We know what will separate us from the competitors that they were looking at. We know what will actually truly help them grow and develop on the platform. And where we have got the opportunity to step in, like Gary said, with those high level goals, um, it's absolutely fantastic. But outside of that, we are finding ourselves constrained to what we think is going to be right for that segment of customers. And we've got those different segments. We know what those uh, different personas require, but it is quite internal from our side with those smaller clients who have the lower touch. You're right. No one really likes tech touch. The lower touch <laughs> clients that we've got. Yeah, that's great. I love that um, anecdote too, just about personas and trying to develop um, certain things that and I think, you know, heard a little bit of that from Gary too. You start to, you know, you start to see some things um, start to shape. Uh, thank you, Beatrice. Awesome. Um, Ravathi, hopefully that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, that's perfect. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, look, I wanted to contribute on the topic that Margaret had around, uh, you know, time to value and at the same time touch upon, you know, the low low touch customers. What would that value look like? Um, the the way I see it is, yes, I totally get it from the point of view that CSMs are leading these discussions to build what success metrics should look like for very quickly realizing value. But the journey starts even before that, when the customer decides to invest in the organization for a technology or service, whatever that looks like. So, you know, what we also did was create value drivers, which is used during the conversation of converting this customer in a, a proof of concept to a customer and creating these high level four to five value drivers and using those value drivers as creation of discovery. What does that value driver convert into when it comes to success metrics and deep diving in each of that? And that I have found being very valuable because the credibility that's built by the customer success manager straight away at the launch phase is, is highly uh, welcoming for, uh, for the organization itself. So that's number one. And the second thing we did was basically building a client engagement model of you know, different stages of customers, different stages for the customer with the organization and what would each stage, what are the activity gates that happen for very quickly for a CSM to go back and realize and show value and translating them from one stage to another. So when they see that progress, they see value being expanding on a stage-by-stage -stage basis. So that was one. On the on the question around time to value, uh, Margaret, but uh, I think Beatrice, you had question around you know customers that are not high touch. What do we do there? We of course you know very common term that we have in the industry today is scale model, uh, which is one to many where customers uh, that are not high touch but who've got a capacity to be evolving into a bigger uh, engagement with the organization, creating a one to many model which is scale, uh, where how many uh, what what are the activities that can be automated that can be repeated in a very scale model which is, uh, you know, taking the help of customer marketing team. If you do have an established customer marketing team, if not, how do we build within customer success team itself so the CSMs can live and breathe so it's scalable? Uh, so that is uh, another motion which is getting very popular in the customer success space. Awesome. I love the point that you made too, just about the value drivers. I think we're, we're working with our product team uh, pretty closely right now in a couple of releases. And we're really trying to uh, look at some, what some of those value drivers are as we start looking at, you know, what's going to be released in the future of the product. How do we start positioning this? Because I think that helps our talk tracks with our CSMs and starting to think about how does that have downstream effects on, on metrics as well. Um, exactly. And, and, and it contributes to the return on investment very quickly. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Bowden. Great to, uh, great to see you, uh, our friend from Australia that we met in, in uh, Saster, I think two years ago now. So I uh, appreciate you uh, joining us and love to hear, love to hear some of your thoughts here as well. Um, so to talk specifically to Margaret's question about how to identify and measure time to first value. For us, um, I'm sure you've probably heard quite a bit about this from Jade. <laughs> How's she going by the way, all good. Um, 
JD's awesome. I'll steal your stuff anytime, Bowden. I'll keep trying to tune him out then. Um, I've got a new superstar to keep an eye on, by the way. Okay. That's another conversation. Um, for us, it's adoption is quite small. So I, I um, video my job is a, a branded uh, video tool for your business. Um, video adoption is new to a lot of people. So new customers often come, often come on board with a trial mentality. They don't really have it identified as part of their workflow. So um, success is no guarantee because quite often customers don't come in expecting to be successful. But what really makes a customer stand out to me as, okay, this this customer has, a, has achieved value is when you get that first request coming in for new users to be added to the platform. That's our first sure sign of the customer seeing value when they want to add more users to the platform. They might do it themselves or they might approach us for that, but that, that for us shows us that uh, there's now advocacy. And advocacy is really important to us because there's no real clear return on investment model with using video. It doesn't translate easily into a commercial or financial ROI. So, yeah, to answer your question directly, Margaret, it's, it's really that first new batch of additional users that shows us that they've bought into it. And we're, we're trying to identify in the data to talk to the other point that you made. We're trying to work back from that point to look at the events that lead, look at the behaviours that lead to those new users getting added to the platform. And, yeah, we're starting to see a little bit of correlation between a few things. So that, that's good. It's only taken me two years to get there. <laughs> that's what you need, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure all the data and systems were just, you know, working from day one uh, with all, you know, everything you needed flowing correctly. But um but yeah, that's yeah. great. I love the, the point you mentioned too of just trying to find the leading indicators that help you uh, try and get ahead of that as much as possible as well and trying to uh, get there. That's the most reliable one. It's, it's, when the, it's when the user base starts to expand without us necessarily doing it for them. Yeah, awesome. Well, Margaret, I think we've gotten you a, a couple of, of, uh, of answers and, and different uh, perspectives there. So hopefully you've uh, been able to jot down a couple of notes that'll be useful uh, to help answer that question. Thank you so much, everybody. Awesome. Uh, and actually, Bowden, we're going to go to your question next. Um, you're right at the top, which is uh, how do you reach your customer that isn't email? And I got to tell you, this is one after this is near and dear to my heart right now because uh, I'm the director of customer experience at our company. And literally, this is like uh, Jay is my boss now uh, for everybody on the call. And so, uh, you know, this is one of my initiatives is trying to figure out how do we go communicate with our customers uh, outside of email. So, uh, Bowden, I don't know if there's any anything else you want to add in terms of context or things that uh, kind of are making you think about this or challenges maybe that you're having right now. And then uh, we'll get some hand raisers and, and see what we go from there. I just think <clears throat> with um, the, the change in the global circumstances, you know, since earlier this year, um, I think we're all just drowning in emails and I'm just finding it harder to, to reach customers, especially given that we're a non-business critical service to pretty much every customer that we have. When when that, that person gets to work every day or is looking through their emails late at night, it's they've always got more important emails to look at. So I'm having trouble cutting through that noise. Yeah. And that is uh, one of the first things that we noticed when we, you know, uh, joined higher logic was a very similar thing. So, you know, and as you start thinking about it, you know, 30% open rates on average, even probably less than that. And then uh, of those, you know, who's really reading it. So by the time you even get to somebody who's, um, you know, if, even if by the time you get to somebody, it's it's already down the path of uh, less than ten percent of people or something like that. So um, yeah, we're we're trying to solve this as well. Uh, Mark, looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, this is uh, one that I've always found really challenging. I think the first part about customer success is whenever you're contacting somebody for any reason, it needs to add value. And so whether or not you're sending an email or contacting them in the first place is sort of that's the first piece. And the second part of that is, I'm a big big believer and a firm advocate of the old cold call. I know they're a bit gross in, in today's kind of 
modern age, but I've never shied away from it. And I've very rarely gotten sort of a negative experience from it. Most of the time, if you actually contact somebody, they'll take the time to go, actually, there is this one thing. And then they'll go on this long 20 minute rant about what's going on for them. Maybe it's their business problems, maybe it's, but the role of customer success isn't just kind of secular to your role in the context of them using a product. It's also about helping them achieve their business goals itself. And the only way you're going to get that is if you have, if you get them at a time, maybe where they're sort of on the back foot and you're extending an option to help them just while you've got them. And I think that is where cold calls for me have been an extraordinarily powerful tool to connect with people. And yes, of course, sometimes you're going to get people who are just like, I don't want to talk to you and they'll, they'll probably hang up on you. And that's, that's where that kind of sales piece does come into the success role, I think, and that ability to kind of connect with people on their terms. So again, going in, make sure your intention is to add value. So you've maybe noticed something about their account or you wanted to provide a bit of feedback or you saw a problem that you wanted to address that they maybe haven't caught wind of yet. Say, hey, I noticed such and such. Just wanted to bring it up. Do you have any thoughts or concerns about that? And then going from there, I think, you know, obviously the, the sort of short form video is a big one too, where you maybe have like a high Michael or high Jeff or whatever it might be on the sign and then it waves around in circles. Um, again, I have terrible engagement with those videos when I send them out. Uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's my face. I'm not sure. Uh, but I think, <laughs> I think cold calls are, are highly underrated. The challenge is getting the right number and getting the right person. But then again, if you don't have that, that's representative of not managing the account anyway. So it's, it's even looking at that as an avenue to connect with somebody, I think it highlights that there's a, either obvious gaps in the way you're managing the account or an opportunity to connect with somebody in a very different and I think a far more organic way than like, let's set up the time because it feels very formal for people and people don't like formality. And I think that breaking down that barrier, making it a quick casual call um, can, can do wonders for that relationship and do wonders to help that account go forward as well. I love, I love your point about breaking down the formality too. I, I really love that. Thank you. I, I think I'll take things right. So what you're suggesting is that that little phone app here on my mobile <laughs> computer, I should use that more. Yeah. <laughs> and use the, use the message one last, use the email one last. Uh, yeah. yeah it's, I love that point too, Mark. Cause it's, uh, I mean, you, you hear bad things about it in the sales cycle, right? Like everyone starts to, you know, I hate the sale, you know, the cold call people, but now you start thinking about from the customer success side. It's like, we've already established a relationship. This is more, you know, this is more of an informal relationship, hopefully as we're developing it, right? We're actually making this more of like a friendship, partnership, whatever word you want to use. And so we should be able just to be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, hey, Mark, I saw, you know, I saw you aren't using our system like we should be, or hey, Mark, you know, I saw you did this X, Y, and Z. So I like that that point a lot. Um, another fun, I'm, I'm going to call him Jay next, but another, just for one fun exercise that we did recently is uh, we went through and documented there's 19 different channels or kind of formats that we could communicate with our customers. So uh, that's something that Jay and I have done recently with our teams is to go look at what are all the formats that we could communicate with our customer? What are all the channels that we could use? Um, so that was a fun exercise if you want to do that with your teams too. We had we found 19. I think we can probably get more. Maybe we didn't include all, but Jay, you have your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, just so you know, if you're a co-host in Zoom, you can't actually raise your hand. So I was physically raising my hand. Um, okay, so we use a, a number of things. Jeff, I'll sort of like tell Jeff a little bit here, but we use... Um, in-app communications, we're using Pindo for that, but I've used WalkMe in the past for it as well. Um, I, uh, who was it? Oh, it was Gary from, from WalkMe. Gary. I want to give you guys a nod because that was a huge platform for us. And let it the, the value in those platforms is it lets the CSM team, if they have control over that app, actually control getting the message out to the customers, the right messages out quickly. And you don't have to be dependent on your engineering team to do it. So that those tools have always been hugely helpful for me. And a shout out to WalkMe. That was really good. Um, uh, you know, we have a customer community as well. It's called Hog Higher Logic User Group. And that is a way to hit like 40 or 50% of our users just like with any message that we send. And that's been a really valuable thing. We've actually been investing in that. We're, we are a community software platform, so we have to be good at that. But it, it's, it's, you know, we, we, we get a lot of traction out of eating our own dog food there. 
CSMs. I love the cold call idea too, Mark. And it's actually the reality is it's not even really a cold call, is it? Because they, if they know who your company is, you're already warmer than a true cold call. So I love that approach and I love the quick casual nature of it. But let me, I'm going to put one contrarian plug in here for email. Do you know the, the reason that most of us hate email is because most emails are, they suck. They're written very, very poorly. And they're written from the perspective of a company and this corporate brand and voice. It makes me want to vomit. So like, if you look at anything that Jeff writes and I'm bragging on Jeff here, don't try to steal him because he's not going anywhere, by the way. But if you look at the emails that he writes, they're very personal. They're very friendly. The, the subject lines are catchy. Like we have to put more thought into those communications if we want to get more out of them. Email still, I mean, we're all in it every day. I like all these other channels, they have to be used, right? Like we have to get better at them. And I believe there's a lot of, um, we've seen a lot of value out of using multiple channels to get the same message out uh, to our customers because not everybody consumes in the same way. But anyway, I'm just putting a plug in for the old school email just to make sure we don't give up on it too early too. So that's my two cents on that one. Awesome. I appreciate the shout outs. That was very nice. Very unexpected when very your boss says that to you. Um, Tim, I saw your hand raised and then you dropped it. Are you, did, did Jay just hit on your point or uh, did you get, did your hand get tired? Uh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, my hand got tired from holding up. Exactly. Um, no, look, Jay uh, nailed it um, in what he said. But um, look, I was going to agree with Mark in that um, just a call out to, to the client is great. And and yeah, whilst in my call it a cold call, I agree with what Jay said. It's not a cold call at all because actually you've got a relationship. They're already a client of yours. Um, different in the sales environment. You haven't got that connection. So that whole sort of, um, cold call uh, can create a completely different scenario. But um, yeah, we got some feedback from some um, client customers sort of saying, hang on a minute. So you're just ringing me out of the blue to find out if uh, I need to help with anything, but you've also identified something that I can do to uh, just tweak in the, in the program, which will actually give me better reporting to help me run my business better. And you've just done that out of the blue. He goes, that's unbelievable. You know, until now, every other time you guys have rung, it's been to chase money or whatever, you know? So um, yeah, I think someone said before, it's about the, the purpose of the call as well. So just a, a cold call, just to chew the fat, maybe it's not gonna create as much value, but uh, yeah, I think just uh, that personal touch. Awesome, yeah, I love that. And uh, one other thing that we're working on right now too, is thinking about the sequencing of messages over time. So just to Jay's point, and I think what we're all hitting at, which is you can't just hit somebody once via email. Like, so, you know, one thing that we're trying to do is actually coordinate all of our customer communications through what we're calling a clearinghouse. So if we have a, a product release that's coming out, it's not just one email about a product release. It's like four weeks in advance, we're going through, you know, an email, we have a customer, we have a community message, we're gonna be hitting them in products. Like we're starting to sequence these things out like you would a general marketing campaign. It's just to our current customers and it's from the CSM generally. So uh, something that we're working on right now too. Uh, awesome. Well, I think we hit on a couple of points, Bowden, hopefully you got uh, a few things out of that. We uh, only have about, we like to end these things right on time. We only have about nine minutes, but I think we can, we can squeeze in one more question. It was an anonymous one, but I like it. I'm just pulling down from lower on the list because I think we can hit this one pretty quick, but uh, what are some ways to re-engage disengaged customers? So uh, you've got a customer, they've gone dark, they've gone cold, you know, you're not, they're not responding to your emails, maybe they're not reading them. Uh, so how are you gonna, you know, re-engage and get back um, with some of those customers? You know, what are some of the tactics that you've used before? What are some of the ways that you've tried to just get back in front of customers, reintroduce yourself, uh, maybe get just familiar with that. So um, any examples coming to mind for the group? If not, I'm gonna start calling on people like uh, Rachel Jennings. 
what are uh, what are some ways you know you you organize this call? Uh, you know what are some ways that you've you've had to reengage some cold customers before? Um, being just saying the one liner like, have you given up on this project? <laughs> I like it. Uh, it's very bold, very direct. It's very direct. Um, but that's useful. Um, also, I think hitting them in a different channel like LinkedIn if they're very active on LinkedIn, send them a message that way. But like something that's not related to your product, maybe they've liked or commented on a post and then trying to start a discussion that's, you know, you can then get back in with them in that sense. Um, yeah. You can't obviously see people these days. That makes it hard to engage with them that way. Um, but emails or um, I found that the webinars we've been doing every month has been a really good way, like customer um, content ad uh, ones uh, has been really helpful in getting people re-engaged with us because we kind of hit this point where like, oh, they're disengaged, but there's no point. I don't just want to be like, hey, checking in. There's no, that's, that's not adding value to a customer, but being like, hey, we're running this webinar, how you can be um, a better product champion and like how do you actually run your instance uh, more proficiently than you currently are. Um, and we found that that's been a great way to gain more um, and also achieve that one-to-many um, rather than doing one-to-one kind of pieces as well. Um, we found that's been super helpful with your engagement. Yeah, I love that example too. We, we're trying to get as many uh, uh, customers talking to customers as, as we can as well. So like we've tried to bring in customers to our webinars, uh, trying to have them on peer discussions like this. Like we're actually going to start to introduce this type of format to our customers hopefully soon as a way to, to engage. So uh, thank you for letting me put you on the spot while others got more courage to raise their hands. Uh, and I appreciate that. Um, hey, Rachel, um, sorry to interrupt there, Jeff. Uh, yeah. the, have you given up on us question? That, that's from Never Split the Difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. That's, that's not gone well for me oh. twice now. Because <laughs> 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 the, the ultimate answer was eventually, yes, we've now given up. <laughs> so that's oh, an man. important discussion to start of like, well, what has sparked you to give up, give up right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it might then spark something needs to change in your product or your messaging or something like that. Um, just because they admit that they have, I think is also a great opportunity to engage as to why they've given up. Um, yep. Because that's what you identify people before they get to that stage. Find yep. some insight. I like it. Um, Daniel, looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, very similar to what Rachel was talking about was um, our team sort of really trying to customize an approach to these customers that are um, disengaged with us by finding what's valuable to them. So looking back on past notes, why did they profess buy the product in the first place um, and trying to find a collateral webinar, a case study or something that might spark their interest and um, adding in value of, you know, we're working with another customer that's similar to yours. This is how we're um, helping with their pains. Um, would love to jump on a phone call with you to walk you through it as well. Those sorts of things. Um, I'm lucky our company um, does quite a bit of thought leadership and um, marketing material and, 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 and um, events and webinars. So we've always got something to be able to, to pull from within that. It's uh, just more about trying to understand how can we be, I can't remember who said it before, but like every touch point where the customer needs to be valuable. So like find something that's valuable to them. And um, we, we work in the social media space as well. So we're able to do a bit of research on what the company is posting about, what the campaigns are and all that sort of stuff to try to find some efficiency that we may be able to add into it as well. So I hate the check-ins like everybody's been mentioning. It's about like, how can we find something that is valuable? The reason they're probably not engaging with us in the first place is previous engagements haven't been valuable to them. So like, let's try to find something that's going to, to really spark their interest in um, talking to us and hopefully using the product and, and leading out from there as well. Yeah. And I love the, the point. Um, I think you were talking about Mark, who was the one who had mentioned, you know, every point needs to be valuable. Um, and to your point, Daniel, like the other thing is just doing a little bit of research goes a long way, right? Uh, if it's a public company, you know, did they have quarterly earnings or anything recently that you can latch on to? Um, you know, has their CEO or anybody done a webinar or something across the web recently as well? Like there's so much uh, that you can go research yourself that I think even just doing that um, goes a long way. So uh, I like that one. 
uh, Steven, it has Sly in your name as well. So I don't know if you go by Steven or if you go by Sly. Oh, most people on this call would know me by, by Sly, but um, <laughs> Steven as well. So yeah, I think there's a, there's a definitely a few things that's already been called out and also linking it back to, you know, the early discussion around um, the, the value, what was the value that the customer was seeking uh, to begin with and, you know, making sure that you're reinforcing that. And Hey, if they've gone dark, just check, checking back in on that and not checking for the sake of checking in, but checking on those original plans. Are, are you running to you know, the plan, the schedule, the um, objectives that you originally had, the reasons for bringing us on board? Um, is that still on track or are we falling off track? And do you, are you okay with that? And just you know, flagging that question. Um, we like to put the, those things into sequence and that might be typically the first thing that we might you know, come back to them with. Um, but then, you know, a little bit further down the, the sequence, and this is something that I've done and, it won't work with everybody, but, and it does require a bit of personality. You bring your own little personality into it. Um, I just like to ask the question and say, um, you know, I know you're probably super busy. That's okay. Um, I like to give them an out and say, um, I don't know if it's just me. If you don't want to talk to me, that's okay. I'm happy to you know, introduce you to somebody else. Um, just, just let me know. And that's okay as well. So I have to give them a bit of an out. And nine times out of 10, they just come back to me and say, yeah, have been really busy. Really sorry about that. And yeah, love to connect. And that's okay as well. Um, I also get some customers that are just really super busy and they just turn around, they're super busy and that's kind of their way of dodging me. But then I just say, ah, that, that's really cool. I understand it's really busy. No, it's in the quarter. Um, let me put something into the calendar just in like, you know, four, six weeks time. That's hopefully that's okay. Um, Cause ideally, I mean, it's pretty hard to escape that. You're not going to be busy four or six weeks out. Yeah. There, and uh, I like also trying to think about what you had mentioned is just, or, and I think what we were talking about a little bit earlier, just trying to find unique ways maybe to reach out as well. So uh, like we have a podcast, right? So can you, uh, can you maybe say, Hey, here's a recent podcast episode, or even just inviting them to do a podcast themselves. Hey, saw you're doing great things. Like want to bring you on the podcast to do this. Uh, we use a company called Sendozo. So uh, we can send physical gifts in the mail, which I think is um, something I'm excited about to leverage a lot in 2021 as well, which is like, sending them a small, you know, even if it's a nominal thing in the mail, can I, can I learn something uh, going back to, uh, where was he? Uh, I forgot, uh, Steve, or not Stephen Point. Uh, but going back and looking at, you know, can you do a little bit of research on that person? On Daniel's, sorry, I just found you, Daniel. Uh, doing it on Daniel's point, can you do a little bit of research and figure out about that person and send them something physical in the mail? So uh, I think that's another one as well. Um, well, Mark and Ravathi, sorry, we're not gonna get to you right now. Uh, we've got one minute left. If you want to jot down your, I'm going to download the chat comments. So if you want to jot down your quick thought in the, in the chat, we'll, uh, we'll make sure and get it out. But um, I'll take those, the rest of those questions and hopefully throw them into gaingrowattain.com, which is our uh, online forum. And, and you guys are all welcome to come join. Please join us there um, and have this. I was really excited about this. Jay was, we really appreciate everyone showing up. This is uh, even to get, you know, 30 something people was exciting for us. And we um, appreciate Rachel, uh, Gary Bowden. I mean, I think tons of people have reached out to us, Margaret, to try and uh, make this happen. Hopefully this was really uh, enjoyable, valuable for you all as well. I just sent you a survey. Um, I did send it via email, so I apologize, Bowden. Uh, I'll send it maybe via carrier, carrier pigeon across the ocean or something um, to get to you as well. But uh, if you guys could fill that out and just let us know, um, we're happy to try and figure out how we can do more of these. Um, if anybody here wants to help lead these sessions as well, uh, you, you can help facilitate like I did today. Um, you know, we'd love to have you do that. We're, we're open to it, but we appreciate this. It's really fun. Um, please go join gangrotain.com. We've got a ton of good conversations happening. We have a ton of other events that we're going to be releasing soon. Um, and we're happy to keep exploring this. So um, enjoy this first one and, and looking forward to seeing you all again soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gang, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.